everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at High Point Church, and this past Monday, February 10th, was Engage and Equip Live. Throughout the year, we host this event to get equipped with the skills to serve in ministry. This episode is the recording of Pastor Mike Beresford's talk on natural evangelistic friendships and following up on them. As always, if you've got a question about what you heard, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good evening. So Nick said, you know, if we say we're going to talk about evangelism, they won't show up. So thank you for filling the room tonight. We're not necessarily going to talk about evangelism. We're going to talk about what's next after that. And so um, many of you know that part of my background was with the Evangelistic Association with Billy Graham. And so a lot of people think that that's, you know, how I do evangelism. And I never worked on the crusade side. I don't think it necessarily is something for today. I think it was a great for a period of time when, when God... Uh, use Billy, but that doesn't change the mission. That was just the method, and we've talked um, about this. Last year, Nick talked about uh, shepherding people through the second danger window. That's podcast 119, if you want to listen to it, and and some of the things he talked about was um, when you lead somebody to Christ or you're part of their journey and they make a commitment, there's some things that we have to believe happened. Just like they're believing, uh, Jesus heard their prayer, that he forgave them. We also have to say, you know what, that's possible. And so when they come to faith, we have to believe that God heard them. We can't let down and simply be happy for them and, and count them as uh, yay, we won and move on. Um, a miracle of regeneration has happened. God has poured out his Holy Spirit upon them. He's made them a new creature, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17. They now have the provision to be alive in Christ and follow him just like you do. They can now be and live out the new creation promises that, that God's given us. However, we don't know the circumstances of tomorrow. We don't know the spiritual warfare engaged against them. There's a lot of factors that we just don't know about. At Graham, we, had a, we taught um, if, if you're at that point where you're with somebody in their faith journey and they are saying yes to Jesus, that if somebody's not back to them within 72 hours, they're probably not there. And so you've got to get back to them quickly. Imagine a newborn coming into the world and not being attended to for two days, what would happen? And it's much like that. I used to ask people, who's got, especially when I was wearing the BGEA shirt, who's got the best follow-up program in the world? And people would say, Billy Graham. No, Satan does. The moment that you say yes to him, to Jesus, you're swimming upstream. And you're going to get Satan's attention, and he's going to introduce doubt. I can't believe you fell for that. I thought you were smarter than that. You need a crutch? 
Seriously? And, and all of these things begin to happen. Friends make comments. All of a sudden, there's an excuse not to be somewhere, not to read something. And they honestly don't know better. And so it's up to us to do some things that are important on their behalf. Jesus talked about it in the parable of the, of the soils. And in that, Nick talked about only 25% actually make it through. Now that can raise if we do our jobs and are diligent with doing our jobs in that. And so one of the things that I have been a, a part of is that just helping people understand some of the initial steps that you can do in helping a new Christian or a seeker have their faith stick. I was doing a project for Graham um, over a three-month period, and I flew around and visited 100 churches that actually had a pastor of evangelism. So obviously there were larger churches. And what I found out is the church doesn't really believe in its mission. Two out of the 100 pastors of evangelism had actually led somebody to Christ. And I heard this story over and over and over. They just take too much work. We don't spend any money until we see if it sticks. And I'm like, I didn't say it. I wanted to say, moron. It's not gonna stick if you don't come alongside and take care of them. That's why they're referred to as babies in Christ. And there's some reasons that that language was used because they need tended to. And that can be um, daunting. We might say, well, I, I don't know what to say. And we forget that God promised by his spirit to give us direction and to help us to know what to say. And, and we have to come to terms with the fact that we know more than them when it comes to walking in faith with Jesus Christ. They don't know, but they want to know. And so I want you to just talk about this question for a few minutes, and while you're talking, the staff are going to hand out some booklets to each table. When does follow-up actually start? Go ahead and talk about that. And it might be a trick question. So when does follow-up start? Give me some answers. Now. It's a really good answer. Why is that a good answer? <laughs> Do we really know what's going on in a person's heart and mind? No, we don't. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with people in airplanes. Airplanes are great, they're dangerous. Um, especially when I was flying out of Charlotte in the, in the South, everybody in the South goes to, goes to church at some point during the month. And it's uh, God NASCAR in church, and I mean, God NASCAR and Bud, and not always in that order. And you get on an airplane and they're like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I work for Billy Graham. That's a conversation starter or a stopper. And often it would be, oh, I go to church too. 
Then you'd have to figure out, okay, were they churched or did they know Jesus? More often than not, after about 15 minutes, you knew the answer. They didn't have a clue who Jesus was except the Sunday school answers, but they were really churched. And so then the conversation started and, and often went to a very good place. But there were a lot of people who had questions that still needed the attention and the information as they were discovering who Christ was. And so now is a very good answer because we don't know what's going on in their heart. Sometimes if they were churched, they would get to the answer they thought I wanted to hear. And then you had to maneuver back and get them out of that context and back into honesty, and we'd end up someplace. But we don't know, and so it's important that we always just take on the position that we're going to give continued care and attention to those that are seeking Jesus. Now, somewhere along the way, hopefully, they do understand the value of following Jesus. They feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit against their sin, and they want to change. They want to turn towards him. But that's not our call. And so we get to walk with them. And one of the, the uh, couple of things that the Bible talks about, you know, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation, 1 Peter 2.2. 2. That's implying that they need the little bit. They need the milk. They need the simple. We don't start out in, in the huge, in the theological debates. Those usually don't go anywhere. They're good for an, a, uh, typically an argument. It's a good way to find an out. And a friend of mine, Alex McFarlane, uh, hosts every year the, the largest apologetics conference. And I was at dinner one night with him and a bunch of the apologists from around the country. And they were talking about how they came to Christ. And I asked several of them, did your studies, and most of them came to Christ in the area of trying to disprove him, did your studies either for or against lead you to know Jesus? And every one of them said no. Then what was it? They said we couldn't get away from the fact that he died for us because he loved us. Back to the very simple beginning. And they knew all kinds of things. They knew their Bible. They knew more than most of us in an effort to disprove who Christ was. But they couldn't get away from the simplistic facts. They could build these huge cases to defend themselves. But they couldn't get away from the fact that they were loved and they needed that love. And so we, we can't make those, those assumptions for people. Protecting. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Nothing more um, vulnerable than a little baby. And we have to be aware that the enemy wants to stop that soul from knowing their creator. And we'll go to great lengths for that to happen, including humiliating you as the one who's coming alongside and wanting you just to give up on this person. And we can't do that. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted up and built in him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught. 
This isn't just, while all the provision is there, we have to learn how to walk in it. We have to add on the various things to become mature Christians, strengthened in knowing what we should do. The posture of us, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for their little children. In the same manner, let your light shine before others so that they may see the good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Live your life well. Let them see. Don't just talk about the Father. You can't just say, watch me and not use words. At some point, they need to hear the truth. They need to come to terms with the truth. But your life example does matter. If they don't see any difference in you, then honestly, why bother? But when they see the difference in you, along with the truth of God's word and the gospel, it's very hard to, to push away and stand away from. They know that they were created to know the Father. They were created, that void in them was meant to be filled by Christ. And then, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You need to know what you're talking about. You need to be ready at all times, not just to give an answer, but to give an answer because of the hope within you. Why do you follow Jesus? What has he made a difference in in your life? What happened this week that you needed a Savior for? Even though you've been walking with the Father for 40 years, 50 years, for Greg, 80 years. <laughs> oh, excuse me. And we need to be active in our understanding of who our Savior is, even though he's been our Lord for a very, very long time, possibly. If you take the book, this is a book that, uh, if you went to a Billy Graham crusade, you got a book that was about three quarters of an inch thick, and it had the Gospel of John in it, and all the language in it was about a Billy Graham crusade. So Gary and Cobb and I took and worked on taking all of the language out of Billy Graham and all the language out that talked about a crusade so that there could be a tool used by the local church. And this is about, I would say, four rend uh, renditions since then and iterations since then. And it's uh, a little bit bigger than what we started, uh, a little bit cleaner, better graphics. But I want to just walk you through this. Now, I don't care if you use this, if you have a tool from Crew, if you have InterVarsity, if you have whatever you might like. The material's not the point. It's, it's the process. It's the steps. It's taking the time. And the first part of this book is, is the bridge illustration, because that's the one that is tied to Billy Graham. And, uh, and so you can walk through that. The, the next page is just about what salvation is, and the next page is about assurance. Um, the next page is actually how to come back to Christ. And then there's a, a page in there that at first I thought it was kind of silly, and I voted to get rid of it until I was made to understand why it was important. Have you ever wondered if you actually ever did come to Jesus, especially in the first few months of your faith, maybe in the first year of your faith? A lot of times people, when they make that decision, 
need to have proof of it to themselves. And so the personal decision page went in so that they could look and say, I did this. This wasn't just something I imagined. This wasn't something that I made up. This isn't something somebody coerced me into. This is something I chose to do. The next section, which is on page 11, is just some basics on what it means to live a Christian life. Now, I'm going to walk through, after we walk through the booklet and, and walk you through just a bit, I'm just going to have an imaginary conversation with somebody on how to use this book. Um, you can see there's things about reading your Bible, about praying, depending on the Holy Spirit, why church attendance is important, how to serve, how to handle your doubts, learning one day, living one day at a time with Christ, a little bit about suffering, temptation. And then there's a the thing on telling others about Christ. Now, I've heard people say that you should get rid of all your friends, you should just change your environment and everything when you come to Christ. Who knows more non-Christians than a brand new Christian? Nobody. And who's looking at their life? Who wants to find out what in the world happened to you? Their friends do. And so later in the book, there's a whole, I guess it's the next page, there's just how to tell somebody. And you don't have to be a scholar to tell somebody what just happened to you. As soon as you make a statement of faith in Christ, you have a story to share. Now, you may not get it all correct, but you'll get enough of it right to cause them to, to wonder what's going on. And they're going to watch you. They're going to watch that new Christian for weeks. And often, it's the new Christian that turns right around and brings their friends to faith, friends that we would never meet if we told that person, you know, you've got to turn on all your friends. Now, there may be a few that are just really poor influences. We might counsel against some of those things. But, but for the most part, man, if my drinking buddy got saved... And all of a sudden, he's filled with something different. And his actions are different, and his language starts to change. I want to know what's wrong with the guy. I want to know, why is he actually being nice? What happened? Because I'm likely tired of the facade myself. And so, yes, we have to coach. Yes, we have to take care of, but we also have to allow God to be God in them and trust the power of the Holy Spirit within them. If you go on to page 27, there's just a few verses. You know, so when you need courage, where do you go in the Bible? And there's not an exhaustive list here, but there's a couple pages of verses that talk about some topics that a lot of new Christians want to talk about. I had this book with me one day, and a, uh, I was at Virginia Tech. I spent six weeks at Virginia Tech uh, from the day of the shootings until uh, six weeks later. And on day two, day three, um, we were kind of set up around the, the field there and just kind of hanging out in the coffee area. And this young man comes up to me, and he says, do you know where I can find my mom? I said, yeah, I do. I had just talked to the, 
to him, and I took him down and said, this young man would like to talk to you. We kind of went back to where I was hanging out. He came back and found me about two hours later. And I said, did you get your questions answered? He said, no, I didn't. Can you answer them? I said, what are they? He said, does your religion allow for forgiveness for something like this? And I said, yes. Happened to have one of these in my back pocket. Pulled it out and just gave it to him, and we opened up to this page. And I said, here's, here's what the Bible says about that, and opened up my Bible. And we talked about it for about an hour. And then he says, does Christianity have any assurance that if I believe, I'll actually see God? I said, yes, it does. We went to, on assurance, we went to the Bible, talked about that for a while. He said, thank you, and he left. He came back the next day, and he says, I've been thinking, those are my big two questions that Islam can't answer. You could. What does it take to become a follower of Jesus? And anybody could have led him through that. You may not have known the right answer, and so sometimes we have to have resources. We were set up expecting to answer a lot of those. We probably gave away a thousand books in those six weeks just to people and, you know, looking for answers. Probably 75 to 80 came back and actually had conversations that led to salvations, got them plugged into local churches. Don't be afraid of the questions, and don't be afraid of them walking away. The Holy Spirit will use the tools that you give them in a fashion to help them believe. But you have to have often something to, to give it to them. They're not going to remember if you quote a verse to them. They're not going to remember the verse, and they're not going to remember the address. They don't even know it's called a reference. They don't even know maybe it's from a Bible. And so having something in your, in your pocket is helpful. Starting on page 32 are seven lessons. And, and we thought these were the lessons that most people needed to know something about so that they could understand that this wasn't just a one-time thing, but this was a process, something to live in, something to grow in, and something would never go away. The first one was about salvation, what they did. Now, in every lesson, you'll see that the formats are the same. There's three pages, and there's some reading of Scripture. There's some underlining of Scripture. There's some memorizing, the, and the verses are in the back. We'll get there in a minute. And then there's some paraphrasing. What did you learn from these verses? And so every one of the seven lessons goes through the same format, so that by the time they are through those seven lessons, they have some idea of what to do with any verse that they read. They can look at it. They can ask what it means. They can find some other verses about it. And they can paraphrase it into what it means for them. And it's just a way to be, help them begin to step into Bible study. The next second one is assurance. How do I know that what I did was real? That's a huge question. It's a question that many of you probably asked. The next one, a total commitment to Christ. 
This isn't just adding a God. It's not just for the moment. It's not just a, a moment of confession in a, in a weak spot. In fact, uh, when we developed the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, and that's when we would train hundreds of, of uh, volunteers, especially after a disaster happened, and send them in to disaster areas, most of the time it was tornadoes or hurricanes, those kinds of things, um, uh, major fires, like the San Diego fires and, and some of those, we would tell them, your job is not to lead people to Jesus. Because if you're in crisis, I can manipulate in, you into a salvation confession in about 10 minutes. It's really easy because they're grabbing for answers. But in about two weeks, they're going to hate me for it. And so we just learned not to go there. But what they could do was talk about Jesus. They could talk about the hope that he offers. They could talk about the security of that hope. They could talk about things that, that people needed to talk about. And there were once in a while when somebody knew enough about Christianity that they would say, you know, I know this, but I need to take action on it gladly walk with that person but we didn't want to manipulate we wanted to let them get past the crisis be able to ask the questions and then walk with them in their decision so you have to be careful about what you're doing i remember one pastor we were down in uh, florida somewhere one of the hurricanes and he was just violating almost all the rules and he goes listen this is the billy graham evangelistic association i'm gonna lead people to jesus and I said, no, you're not. And I made some phone calls, and I went and found him, and I said, your plane leaves in two hours. You can either take a taxi, which we'll pay for. I've already purchased your ticket. Well, it'll be on us, or I can take you to the airport myself. But we're going to respect people and expect that the decisions that they make to follow Christ will be from their heart, not from manipulation. So you've got to pay attention to what you're doing. You have to be aware of where that person is at. It's okay to offer hope. And if they want to keep going down that path, then walk it with them. But we're not going to dangle a carrot that they think is going to magically put their house back together or bring a loved one back to life or somehow make whatever happened right. We want it to know about a life change, a heart change. Then the Bible. What is the Bible? Um, prayer. The Holy Spirit. And the last one, being a witness. Now, once you get through those kinds of things, you've got a basic idea and understanding of what Christianity is. If you flip on to the second to the back hard sheet, you'll see that there's um, verses. And those were verses that we encouraged people to, to memorize because they go along with the seven Bible studies. Now, if you say, I just made a decision to follow Christ and I hand you a book, that's as good as me taking this book and throwing it in the garbage because they don't know what to do with the book. It just feels like a sales job. And so I would say, you know, I'm proud of you for making that decision for, to follow Christ. It'll turn out to be the best decision you've made. But I imagine you have a lot of questions.
Of course they do. They know enough to make the decision, but now what? They have no idea of what you know, of what it means to follow and to walk with Jesus. And so it's, I'm going to give you this book, and I've got one too, and let them see that you do have one. And in it, there are seven lessons. And I'm going to do these lessons with you over the next two weeks. Now, why two weeks? Because it takes time to really settle into the fact that I've made a decision, and I want contact with that person for a couple of weeks for a couple of reasons. I want to make sure that they're doing the un that they're understanding the process and what they're reading, but I also want to have, get to know them. Maybe they're not going to be my new buddy, but I want to know enough about them so that I can find somebody to hand them off to. Last week, I was getting a cup of tea, and a young couple was standing there getting coffee the week before Sunday, and hadn't met him. I said, hi, I'm Mike. I don't think I've met you. She had been here a few weeks, uh, maybe maybe about six. She said, this is my fiance. Well, not quite. They're going to get married or engaged soon. And she was very hopeful. And, <laughs> and uh, she said, he's been here four weeks. I looked at him. I said, what do you think? He said, I loved the guys getting baptized. And I read their stories, and it was really cool. And I think I might need that. So I pulled out my business card and handed it to him, and I said, my cell phone's on there. I know I'm the old guy, but I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee and just talk if you have a question about Jesus or marrying this lady or whatever you want to talk about. I'd love to connect. And we went on our way. I went back and said, oh, by the way, there's an almost engaged, engaged, and newly married class that starts, and she said, March 22nd. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, you guys are invited. She goes, we'll be there. And so I opened up my computer on Monday morning, and the first email that popped up is from her. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. It was really appropriate and necessary because we don't know anybody. And it was one of those times when the Holy Spirit just dropped something in your head. I said, hey, we're busy this next weekend. But Estelle and I are going to go to, and I had to look up where I thought we would go to, um, Garver uh, Feed Mill, that's, that's it, and uh, at the winter uh, farmer's market a week from Saturday. Why don't you go over for breakfast on, at 9 o'clock on Saturday, and then we'll all go together, and we'll, we'll have a morning of it and, and get to know you. Five minutes, emails comes back. That would be wonderful. And two more times that day, I got emails from her, one asking for address, another just saying she had talked to her, her boyfriend and he wanted to do it too. Why do I want to do that? One, I don't want to lose connection. Two, I want to get to know them outside of church so they don't feel like they're my responsibility or my job assignment. But I also want to, they don't want to run around with an old guy. I want to introduce them to some people, but I want to introduce some people that have maybe some right or some same interest or live in the same area. Um, I want to make sure that there's a connection. And so we'll take the time, because they're important, to do that. 
And we'll probably do it one more time with them while we're trying to figure out who to hand them off to. And we'll make the connection and great. We'll say hi when we say hi. And so I'm going to say, here's a book. Let's do the first studies. And are you available for coffee this week? Yes, no. Maybe it comes down to a phone call. Okay, how about I talk to you on Tuesday, Tuesday evening about 6.30. Let's just take 15 minutes and let's compare answers. You get done with that one, talk about how their day was, what's going on in their life, set up the next one two, three days later. A few days later, it's Sunday. Hey, you going to come to church this week? Great. I'll meet you in the lobby and I'll sit with you because I know you probably don't know a lot of people. That makes it much easier for them to come back in. Maybe take them to lunch, say, hey, let's go to lesson four, I'll call you on Tuesday. Repeat the pattern. And I've talked with them now seven, eight times. I've connected with them a few times face to face. There's trust. They have an understanding of what it means to be a Christian. They're a little bit familiar with the Bible. They find out that we're not all weird, just some of us. And, and I can begin introducing them to their peer group. It's really easy. But I have to jump in to do it. I have to take the initiative because they're scared to death. They don't know anybody. They don't know what church really is like. I led a, a guy to Christ one Sunday morning, and I said, are you going to come back next week? And he goes, you do this every week? <laughs> it's like, I thought it was a concert. You know, that's what he knew. And I said, well, come as often as you can. He ended up, he missed a few, and he hit a few, and pretty soon he was coming regularly. And it was okay. It's not about the rules. It's not about our expectations. It's about them walking it out in a, in a faith-filled journey at a pace that they can do it. God's not in a hurry. He's the one calling. He's the one convicting. He's the one saving. We're just along for the ride. We're just kind of navigating this thing a little bit. And so I want to encourage you. If you want to keep this, please do. If you're not going to use it, just leave it on your table. We'll collect them because we're going to have them around here. They'll be around if you need them. Again, I don't care if you use this book. It's a good tool. It's probably got some things you're like, eh, I don't really like that. Then find something you really like and use it. Here's the advantage of all of us using a like tool, though, is that any of us can pick this up and talk to any, anybody. And the language is the same. And so stick to something. If, you, if you're in crew, Stick to crew stuff. It's great. University, navigators, it, it really doesn't matter because it's all about truth. They all are, understand it's a process. But just pick out a tool. When I was flying all the time, and I still do, if, if my backpack or my bag was in here, I could open up and pull one of these out. Now it's the older version because that's what I had. We just got these in a couple days ago. But I always knew I had a go-to in my bag. There was one, in, there is still one in my car. There's one in Estel's car. Because we anticipate God's going to lead us to people that need to know him. And so we're just always ready. There's two or three in my suitcase. And I just never leave home without it. And so I want to encourage you, be prepared 
be available for God to bring somebody across your life that needs to know him and get good at it. Pretty soon you become expectant that it's going to happen because honestly, there are people that need Jesus all around you. And often they're just waiting for you to say something. They don't even know what the right question is. And so if they get anywhere close, say, hey, I've got something that might help you. Would you like to walk through it with me? And they get to the end of it, and they're like, you know, I still have questions. Great. Then find another tool and, and walk through it with them. That's fine. It's not up to us to lead everybody to Christ. It is up to us to be prepared and to be a witness of God's goodness in the pathway he has to rescue us out of our sin. Questions? We've got just a couple minutes. We're working on that. We actually are. We're in conversation of, of better resourcing um, a few things that, that people need. If you decide you want to, you like that and you want some, you let me know and I'll, I'll get them. These are about, I think they're about four bucks a piece. I think buying them in bulk, we got them down to looking for a net, but around three twenty-five or something like that. But the cost isn't, I mean, yes, the cost is important. But putting a tool in your hand to share the gospel outweighs that. We need to be good stewards. And, and so, you know, if you can go and you can buy them at, at bgea.org, but you're going to pay more, um, let us get them at a more cost-effective rate. And, and it'd be great if, if a lot of you said, yes, I'd like to use that tool, then we'll, we'll get it and we'll put it in your hands and we'll have it placed. Um, the point tonight wasn't to say, this is the official tool of High Point Church. The point is to say, there are really good tools. Some of them are just simply online for you to use, look at them, decide what you want to use. This is a good one, but there are other good ones. And, and, but we are in the process of, of creating some good resources available to you, both in the coffee room and in the uh, new... new um, at the Welcome Center out front. And so, anything else? No, the material doesn't, but um, that's something that you can study on so you can help them in that. Is the question was, uh, does this one have something to, to deal with a shame culture because people don't understand sin? Father, thanks for saving us. Thanks for those that walked beside us. Thanks for those that helped it make sense to us. I love it in Nehemiah 8. It says, they gathered and they read the law and then they helped them make sense what was really happening, what was God's intent 
in the law. And, and that has happened for all of us. Somebody made it make sense and made it reachable and attainable. Father, we love you. We want to be obedient. And your word just clearly says that we should be a witness and that we should study to show ourselves approved. We should be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And so there's a lot of resources in this world, Father. Help us to choose that which works for us, for our language, for our experience, and, and to be ready to love those who are seeking to be known by you and to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.